I just simply can't afford 50 bucks every time they decide to do one of these shows. They will say that, you know, every pay-per-view delivers. So if you are like a diehard AEW fan, you'll feel like you got your money's worth each time. But how many AEW fans have $400 to spend on pay-per-views per year? I mean, that's just a lot. I mean, I know they'll deliver. I know they will. I, I will enjoy it. I will feel as if my money was spent decently. But it's a big, it's a big price tag. 50 bucks every time you want to give me a big show, especially when you also very frequently make big shows of your cable television product. So, like, if I'm already getting a lot, a lot of wrestling content from your promotion that way, why, how do you expect me to shell out 400 some dollars a year to watch these pay-per-views? Like, it, it's just, it, it's gonna, it, it's not a sustainable, it's not a sustainable practice. Not until you actually have a way for people to pay a lump sum, not $400, but a lump monthly sum for your content on the regular. This is good. This is, continues to be an issue with AEW in their, what, is this their third, fourth year? I can't, third year? Fourth year. Fourth year, 2019? They launched like, Dynamite launched like a month after we did here at Grand and Glitter. Yeah, so this is their fourth year. The question is continually come back to when do we get some form of subscription network from AEW? And given all of the shows, all of the content they produce, there is more than enough to fill that platform. When do we get to see that so that we can make that investment in a way that makes sense for most wrestling viewers? Um, yeah, no, I was thinking about that too. I remember a little bit back, um, they had said something about them having a, some type of deal on the table with uh, Max, and I'm wondering where that is. Like, where, how far along are they, or have things fallen through? Because I haven't really heard anything since. But I think moving to Max would be a good um, thing for them to, you know, have it on there. I think it would be easier access for people as well. Like, and I hate the whole thing of, oh, well, you know, if you like this, then you will find a way to pay for it. It's like, that's not realistic. Like, not every uh, every fan, like, some people have, you know, responsibilities or, you know, it's just not in their, you know, financial realm at the moment, but they still want to support. Uh, you know, it just feels a little bit like they're excluding people who, like, you know, they can't always shelve out, you know, money. You know, MGF is dying to cut a promo where he refers to himself as HBO Max. I, I think you make a great point, Shay. Like, there, it's one thing to say our product is worth this much. It's one thing to say that like we have a pay-per-view that more than justifies the fifty-dollar price tag. It's another thing to confront the reality that like there's still a lot of people struggling with the like general inflation in this country uh, in late post-COVID era. That it's simply not a tenable thing. I mean, I like a lot of things. I a lot of things that I enjoy cost a lot of money. So do I get to do, do those things or purchase those things on a regular basis? No, I don't. Certainly not up to 10 times a year. $50 price tag is a lot of people's like grocery grocery costs or a or a utility bill or a car a minor car repair, not even a car repair, a gas filling your gas tank. Like so I just I push back a little bit on this idea of like every time we put something out, it is worth every penny you're paying for it. Because, yes, but 
wouldn't it make more sense to get that deal so that more people could buy in on a long-term investment rather than relying on the hype for your pay-per-view sales every single time? I'm just looking at it from a sustainable practice. I'm not even looking at it from a value practice. I'm just looking at it from a simple like mindset of it's better for people to pay $10 every month for access to all of your things than to rely on hyping up your pay-per-view to get the $50 ticket sale every time you do it. 100%. I, I agree with 100%. I say I was pressing a little hard. I didn't want to interrupt. So I was like, it's so hard. You know? <laughs> I, so I completely agree, honestly. And I hope that that's something that, that they try to do in the future because it's just, it's not realistic with the time recently. So I, I 100% agree with you. All right, this week on show, we are discussing AEW Full Gear 2023, as is our want. We're only discussing those two women's matches. At least we had two this month, so that's that's progress. We're joined by returning guest. Last time she was here, she competed in a draft, along with myself and Kelly Wells. She was defeated by M. Fear uh, when it came to putting together the best NXT roster. M, who like has never watched NXT consistently in her entire life, mm-hmm, somehow won. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, mainly because wrestling fans are fickle. Are, yes, and easily bought. It is of no fault. Here for revenge is our new friend Shay Sawyer. Welcome back, Shay. Yay! Ooh, to be fair, there were some good picks uh, for from Emily. So I get it. Can you, I'm sorry, drop that. Can't drop that mic. <laughs> I'm so glad to be back, though. Like, I had such a great time last time. I was like, oh, yay! I feel like the little small yell inside. I'm like, yay! (laughs) Yeah, last time was all NXT. This time we're talking AEW. So we got a whole new field of competitors to talk about. Full Gear 2023. Two matches, two title defenses. Kicking things off for the women. And that was it for women, right? There was nobody, nobody's at ringside for any other matches. There's no women backstage. There's no other, nothing. Britt Baker, mysteriously MIA lately. Possibly uh, devil related, I'm thinking. Oh, you think that Britt Baker's the devil? Uh, yes, but not to, not in the storyline, just in general. <laughs> Aww. No, I think uh, I don't think Tony Khan would put a woman in such a prominent storyline position. But um, I think she could be like a, a hench woman for the devil, perhaps. I am curious what is happening with uh, various women who have been in the AEW orbit, um, who have been kind of uh, not super present as of recently. And I'm, I'm not sure because I, I don't watch Collision. I just don't have the time. I haven't ever watched it. So I don't know if it's like in the collision verse, there's stuff going on with people like Thunder Rosa or, or I mean, where's Willow right now? Um, where's, where's Soraya right now? Where's Ruby right now? Where's Britt Baker right now? Like there's a lot of people I've not, I haven't been keeping track of. And it's, 
Willow is consistently on collision. Yeah. Willow and okay. Sky have been involved in the, like, they got mist in their face. Are they evil? Are they not evil? They're doing that over on Collision. Ruby is getting hit on by Angelo Parker consistently. That's his name, right? The guy from, uh, the guy from 2.0. Oh, oh, okay. The other French-Canadian one. That's what they're doing with, with Okay, cool. That sounds great. And everybody else that you mentioned, not around. Soraya not yeah, really what? around. Maybe in Ruby's corner once or twice for matches. Britt not around. Rosa still hasn't really returned since injury. Nyla Rose comes out to lose a match every five, six weeks. That's about it. Theoretically, Taya Valkyrie? I, f- I forgot she existed until I saw a photo with Willow this week. <laughs> we have a pretty deep women's roster at this point and still... <laughs> okay, so let's go back a couple of years ago, okay? Let's go back like two years ago when we kept saying like AEW's not using their women enough and people would say they don't have the roster. They don't proper So what's your defense now, people? Well, out there, what is your defense now? That they don't have the roster? Because they clearly have the roster. They're leaving people on the sidelines. We're not seeing people. They're putting them off on like third wing shows. So what is your defense of the idea that the, we're still four years down the line with a deep, deep bench on our women's roster, what is the defense of one women's match on Dynamite? Proceed. You have the floor. And I, I, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. It's the truth. Like, they're not using a good portion of their women's roster. It's really frustrating. Um, there was, like, I was so excited when I saw Ty. I was like, ah! Cause I, you know, had knew, I, I knew a little bit of her uh, impact, and then she went to NXT for Frankie Monet, and that was, we won't talk about it. Um, and then I got, like, to know her more when I started watching Women's Wrestling Army. Um, and then when I saw her get signed, I was like, oh, I'm so excited! And it's like nothing. I'm like, what? I, I, and it's just, like, the way that they presented her. Like, she, I think she lost pretty early on. I was like, oh, there's no protecting. Like, I feel like when you sign someone, give them a little bit of like you know something to work with to like move on don't just like a few weeks later they already are taking like their first loss it's like it's like really disheartening i don't know what is going on with them they really need to get it together because they have so many talented women it literally is almost criminal at this point there mm-hmm. mm-hmm. was one thing there was one thing when people could say like oh you know there's so many people on the roster that are still developing but that's not the case now and some of those women who are still developing, I'm not saying that they're in bad state in any way, but some of those women who like are in development, they are getting more prime spot than the ones who are well-seasoned. So, like, we can talk about it. We can talk about the TBS women's title match, and we can talk about the of the three people in that match, the person who came out victorious is roughly the weakest of the three wrestlers. Not saying that Julia is bad, but, like, She's out there being like becoming a new champion while like women who've wrestled for how many years more than her are sitting on the sidelines. And I'm not saying it's a veteran's game. I'm not saying that there's like seniority here. What I'm saying is that like the argument that like you need more seasoned talent to justify more time also is disproven by by these current movements. Emmy Sakura never won a match on TV in the history of AEW. Emmy Sakura has the worst televised singles record of anyone in AEW history. So it's not about experience. 
and, it, and it's, I mean, she at least has been on TV, right? You have plenty of women who, who've worked for the company for a long time, who've worked in wrestling for a long time, who barely get it on television at all. Um, I mean, and yeah, certainly hasn't gotten like a ton of TV time, but she's gotten a little bit more than some. I don't know. We're going into this kind of like with a negative tone, which is funny because I actually really enjoyed both of these matches and I'm kind of liking what they're doing right now with this, especially in the stuff with Tony Storm. Like this fall with Tony Storm's new gimmick has been such a revelation for her. It's been wonderful to see a wrestler find something that works and works to this degree. Um, but, you know, we're still kind of struggling with these like fundamental issues that four years down the line, four years ago we were picking on or in the early days, and now we're still there. And it's just, it's rough to see a company make so many steps forward with so much of their talent, but still continually cut short their women's division, especially when, especially when things go well, despite all of it, when there's interesting things happening in both AEW and their, you know, affiliated ROH universe. I know in the early days, there was talk in the men's division mostly, but there's talk of why isn't this guy getting any screen time? Why aren't they doing anything with him? And the word from backstage was, well, AEW doesn't have writers. So the guys that you've seen on TV right now who are having storylines are because they came up with this storyline themselves. They pitched it to the bosses and they got the go-ahead to do that. And so I wonder if that is still the case these days and if that's a factor in any way, where Ty Valkyrie, who's used to working for Impact for WWE these other places, isn't coming in pitching her own ideas. She's waiting for somebody to give her something to work with, and they're not. Whereas RJ City and Tony Storm come up with a character like to- Timeless Tony Storm, and because they come in with, here's our character, here's the storyline. We've already got a two-hour movie you can go watch on uh, TCM. Mm-hmm. That's the storyline that we're going to do for the next six months. And then all of a sudden, they got the ball and they're going with it. They're on TV every week. They're getting vignettes. No women in AEW get vignettes you know they get a little bit of mic time backstage that's it but they're getting full vignettes they're getting consistent screen time and they're quickly taking the belt I mean it's it's a timeless practice but they're quickly taking the belt off Sheeta putting it on somebody else and having them run with it yeah I mean I mean you can't argue with it either because it's working so so well like let's let's dig in here let's talk about Tony Storm right now let's talk about where Tony Storm like, let's talk about the trajectory for Tony Storm in AEW, because Tony Storm has continually been this kind of, like, belt filler, and then she was in that trio of outcasts, and of the three women in the trio kind of felt like the one with the least purpose. I don't, like, even though she was the champion. Like, she was the former champion in that group. She was the least of the three that, like, seemed to have any, like, real, like, reason to complain since she had been a champion. Um, so, with Tony, the story with Tony Storm in so much of the work that she's done recently, whether it's AEW or WWE, is that they failed to capture something interesting about Tony Storm beyond, oh, hey, she's a good wrestler and she's an attractive lady. These things are indisputable. She is a good wrestler and she's an attractive lady. And it felt like they were relying a little bit too much on the idea that like you could just build an interesting wrestler out of that. She doesn't have innate charisma, however. She's not like a charming presence until until her and RJ City came up with this idea. Because this is genius. Because it plays off a strength that we didn't even know that Tony Storm has, which is 
being a fucking weirdo. And that was has been a revelation to watch. It really has been. It's been amazing to get to see her play eccentric in a way that we don't normally see. Like, we don't see that much in wrestling. We've seen women play crazy or, you know, like anything from Chelsea Green to like, or, you know, like all kinds of forms of like psychotic. But we haven't seen this form. Rarely have we seen this kind of like manic throwback to the like 20s, like golden age green grand doms. Um, this glorious Watson, this Sunset Boulevard, this like delusional, like hysterical mania. It's so good and it works so well, but it works specifically because Tony makes it work really, really well. Uh, yeah, I know. I totally agree. I love this version of Tony. I think I've always been a fan of Tony, like from the first time I ever saw her wrestle, because I just think she's fantastic. Um, but I think it was like the first time that she's like been this deep in a character or really have, have had like a specific character. I feel like she's always just been, that's Tony Storm. She's awesome. She can wrestle. She's obviously beautiful. Um, and she's a bit unorthodox. She's always had like an unorthodox uh, personality, I feel. Um, and I feel like in times, like sometimes I would feel like in WWE, they would try to like just kind of make her that oh, she's a beautiful, buxom blonde who can kind of wrestle and, you know, but it's just her personality just didn't fit that of just being like, oh, yeah, you know, she's beautiful and she can wrestle. Like, you know, she's blonde. Like, you know, because they always go to that. Um, But this time, I feel like in AEW, she really has her teeth locked into a character. Like, you know, it's not just her just being, oh, she wrestles and she has blonde hair and she's beautiful. It's so much deeper than that. And she has, like, gone so far with it. I'm really, really, like, I'm just loving it and I'm loving seeing where Tony is. I think she's so great. I feel like she's finally gotten to that place and who knows, this could just be the the tip, the tip of the iceberg because I think that this this gimmick can really she can take it so many different angles and now with the addition of Mariah uh, May, I think that it, this could be really really cool. So I'm just really really happy for Tony um, I'm happy she's the champion as well. Like, so she's going to get even more screen time. So I'm all for it. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it, it's just goes to show you, like, you get the right gimmick, you give them time. Like, cause she's like, Carly, like you said, they've been airing these vignettes and not short ones. They're not promos. They're vignettes. They're full on sketches where it's her ripping off of whatever and it works really, really well. And that all comes because a commitment was made to putting this over. And it doesn't work unless that commitment is made. But they saw that they had something here. So, again, we come back to the thing of, like, Tony Storm's getting this great push. She has this great gimmick. Um, we're also seeing pushes for other, like, women's wrestlers in the roster who are getting – we'll talk about Julia. We'll talk about Sky. We'll talk about, like, what they're doing with that whole, like, House of Black thing. Um, it's just – and people are – into it the crowd is totally into it this is the most popular that tony storm has been in AEW since she arrives like since she arrived which you know she arrived with lots of fanfare and people were excited to see her then like her peak this this is her new peak and it comes from making a commitment to to get this over and it's and that commitment has paid off this is my first time seeing timeless tony wrestle and so i had the question of 
you know, it was entertaining. But I had the question of, is this too much comedy once the bell has started? Because the only other real, like, comedy comedy figure we've had in the history of AEW has arguably been Orange Cassidy. And he did the kicks and he did stuff like that early on. But as they got him closer to the title, they had him pull back on those things and show a more serious side. Whereas Tony is going into this title match and she's doing, like, this exaggerated wind-up punch and she's got a lot of shenanigans at ringside with her butler. She's not doing very much of, like, the classic Tony Storm, like, wrestling wrestling that we might expect. And so I was, I came away really on the fence. I was like, is the, yeah, is this too much comedy once the bell rings? Should she be more of, like, a serious fighter during the matches? And she can still do that sort of slapsticky stuff outside the ring, or does it devalue the match itself? I don't know. I'm, I'm not... Maybe I don't want to sound like I'm casting judgment because I'm really on the fence of, like, I don't know. Was there too much comedy in this match? I mean, there is comedy in... Like, this This was born out of the whole, like, throwing a shoe thing. And so, you know, in essence, Timeless Tony Storm evolved from a gag, from, from some form of, like, you know, shenanigans. But I think that it works in both the gimmick and in the ring because it gives her a purpose aside from just being a good wrestler. And I'm not saying I don't enjoy her like good wrestling. Of course I do. I love good wrestling. I love like good wrestlers doing good wrestling as we all should and do. But they're adding comedy to it, adding, adding like ridiculous little pieces like her doing a hip attack with a little metal plate in her butt. Like, that's silly, but it does, like, work for her gimmick because it's the whole, like, tray from her butler and everything. Um, it matches with the, like, weird mania of the character itself. And also, it's entertaining. Like, I come back to it, was I entertained? Is it an entertaining thing to watch? It's not the best wrestling she's done in her career. Certainly not. But it is probably the most interesting she's been in the ring in a long time because she's selling a character more than ever. I felt like the crowd was a little quiet during this match, and I attributed that to the fact that the crowd wants to cheer Tony. They like this character, they find her entertaining, they think she's hilarious, they want to cheer her, but they don't want to boo Hikaru Shida. Like, we love Shida as well. So, now that she's the champ, now that they're moving forward, Shay, do you reposition her? Do you start booking her against heel opponents, booking her consistently against people like Nyla Rose and Ruby Soho again? Or do you put Chris Statlander up against her now? Are, you, are they making things difficult for themselves if they try to book her against babyfaces? I honestly think they should just uh, keep her on the heel side just for a little bit. Like, not like right away, just push her into that. I feel like, like I know the fans, like, they want to cheer because they, you know, they're excited about this. This is an exciting character. It's hard not to cheer. But I just think she works better as a heel. I feel like the gimmick works better as a heel, personally. Um, but I know eventually she's going to have to go into the more babyface thing. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. Not, I'm just like, I honestly would like to be cute. Like, that's just me personally. I'm, but I'm always wanting people to be healed more than I want them to be faced. It's just me. <laughs> so, enter Mariah May. Now, we have surmised that 
this storyline is going to play out the same way that the classic film All About Eve played out, wherein Mariah is a fan who eventually kind of like usurps her and replaces Tony and takes over. Now, and that's perfect wrestling storyline. But now that we know this, how do we tell that story? You know, now that we already know the ending, are we just waiting for Mariah, like waiting for the the shoe to drop, so to speak? Are we just waiting for Mariah to have that moment and replace Tony? How long can we go until things fall apart between them? Like they just started, they can't fall apart already. But we know how this movie ends. So what I would say to that is just referencing even back to the match, um, you know, with um, Tony and Cheetah. Um, she ripped up the script at one point and the commentary made it a point to keep saying she's going off script. Oh, my God, she's doing a move she's never done before. She's off script. I think that's something they could do again also with the whole Mariah May and Tony thing is she could go off script. It could be something different, totally different at the end. So that's just what I'm thinking or I'm hoping for. Follow the path up to the moment when we were expecting Mariah to take her place and usurp her, but Tony knows that it's coming and turns on her first or something to that effect. Because exactly. she's seen the movie. I think it'd be cool. Yeah, I think you give this one some time to grow. I think you give this time to simmer. Like, you know, if they want to keep their commitment to making this, like, to keeping this gimmick over, then we'll keep seeing vignettes and they can make the story all the richer for it. it. I'm I'm interested to see how this plays out, and I'm hoping it doesn't go too quickly because it'll be a lot more fun if there's a build, a genuine build. So who do you have Tony defend against at World's End in five weeks? That's a great question. I don't know who's going to be in. Like, I'm not sure who they're going to be featuring, highlighting. I mean, Chris is a Chris is an option, um, but I don't know that, that this storyline with her and the TBS. Uh, title is done yet so i'm not sure but that is far too soon for it to be brian a yeah and it seems like you wouldn't want chris to lose in a big championship match two pay-per-views in a row no i see that's why i don't think her story with the the tbs title is over because i don't i don't see julia being a long holder of that title and i don't necessarily think she'd have to be considering how um how well it could work out for her and Sky to have this as an instigating story, like a continuing storyline between the two of them in House of Black. Like there is story that works even without a title. Well, we mentioned off the top a slew of women who are around, are signed, aren't injured. Maybe, hmm. Rosa's got to be back soon, right? And isn't Tony holding a title that Rosa never lost? Technically, yes. Okay, I'm going with that. Let's go with Thunder Rosa, but let's go with... I think we've established Timeless Tony enough. Now's a chance where we could bring in someone like a Rosa or even a Taya and have them do something similar, like have them also pretend that they're like an old-timey movie star mocking Tony, but Tony doesn't realize that she's that they're mocking her. They think like they like Tony in character thinks that they're just like a peer. She doesn't see the like the irony to it. I just want to see Tyra or Rosa doing the uh, 
the old-timey movie star look and their twist on it. Oh, I would absolutely love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very curious to see where, like, who else gets thrown in the mix here because it's been an interesting grouping so far. Luther is far better at this than, like, I would have expected. His, his comedic timing and the fact that he looks like a big goon, he'd give me shades of, like, Peter Boyle and Young Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was getting the same thing. I think that that's Dressed kind of up in obvious. the suit. I think it's a little bit of a reference point here, and I, it, and so far in the ways that they've used Luther, which has been very sporadically, but it's this is probably the best use of Luther in AEW history. Certainly better than way back in 2019 when he was like Randy Rhodes's henchman. Do we all remember Nightmare Factory or Nightmare Collective or what it was called? Luther Secret, like women's wrestling ally. It, he's game for so whatever fun. and he's like yeah I'll, ha- I'll happily play second fiddle to this woman yes I will absolutely be your pensioner slash butler yeah I, there's so much of this that really works and not just that Tony is carrying off a, a gimmick that is uh, you know super interesting and very fun to watch but like all the things that they've thrown into it including Luther including the dynamic with RJ City including these like that the whole black and white thing where they're committing to like every time she has an entrance just transforming the screen into black and white it's just it's really cool to see them throw all this time and investment and like make it stick and stick the landing. Um, and I'm, and I use this kind of as a segue to like jump into the TBS title because I'm kind of curious how they're going to do the same thing with the story of Julia and sky blue and house of black, because this has been also something that's been like in a, in a slow boil. I mean, it, they took forever to turn Julia. It took months and months and months of her just kind of like, crumbling in the corner um, in her like pseudo cheerleader outfit to finally like succumb to the mist. But sky blue was a little bit quicker. Yeah. Shay, do you watch collision and uh, rampage and all those shows? See, I kind of keep it mostly like collision. I always say I'm a collision cowgirl. Like I like collision. I don't know what it is, but it's just something that feels a little different about it. That's just like more digestible for me. Um, I try to catch Rampage. The time, time is open. I mean, Rampage is on. I mean, and Rampage is on Fridays. I'm like, I'm not a person with a robust social life, but Fridays are tough. Yeah, especially when it's like, I think, I think it's like 10 o'clock. Like, oh my god. Like I have so a life tired. sometimes. Like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Collision is definitely my show. Um, I've just, I don't know. I was a little bit thrown off about the fact that, like, so Sky and Willow got the miss, but somehow Willow was able to, like, not, like, be taken over. It's like the power of positivity. I'm wondering. <laughs> yeah, Willow is just too like, strong of a baby face. Nothing, nothing affects her. Yeah, no, I was thinking, I was like, is, there, is it, like, all the positiveness from Willow just, like, is too much? It could not overcome uh, her positivity. But honestly, I'm glad that they went that route. Because it's just Willow should not be a heel anytime soon. Literally, she's like so. She's one of those people you just want to root for for no reason. Just like oh my god, she I want literally to won best babyface last two years in our year end awards. Come on, best in all of wrestling. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I just, yeah, I do watch a little Collision for sure. I definitely watch it more than all the other ones. Uh, it's just it's a funner show for me. But okay, so that was my question coming into this match, and I don't know if it was really answered 
for me or not. I know Julia misted both Willow and Sky. Willow appears to have not been affected by it. But my what I did what I wasn't clear about in this match, and especially with the way Sky and Julia were interacting with each other, is did the mist turn Sky evil, or was she just pretending that it was to try to get an advantage over Julia, like put, trading in the baseball cap for a crown? Was that just her like playing mind games with Julia, and she's actually still babyface, or is she actually evil? And if she is evil, then is it because of the mist? And if it's because of the mist, then why can't Julia like control her? Wouldn't the mist like I, I assumed if the mist did turn Sky evil or turn her into like Julia's puppet? But they were fighting in this match. So uh, you watch more of Collision than either of us. Is Sky actually evil now because of the mist, or is this an act? I feel like she's still in a transitional period where her true self is still fighting the darker part of her and she, I don't feel like she's fully transitioned over I think that's kind of like what was going on and I also think that Julia has this thing about her where she almost gives solace which is probably what she wants to give off like she has no emotion she doesn't think about like when she attacked Sky. my thought process was she's like I know that you want to do my bidding but I'm still going to beat you up because I want to win at the end of the day and that's all I care about I don't care if I have a bunch of people who want to follow me because of my mist the end goal is me winning just it doesn't matter who has to take the pain so that's just kind of how I took it yeah I got it as kind of a sense of like well you know you can be an underling here but I I'm still I've been in this house longer than you have so like I'm not going to accept you as an equal, even if I accept you as a like sister, you're not, you're not equal to me. You're not, you're not on the same place placement as me. Yeah, no, that's essentially what I got too. Like it's all that wrapped into it. So yeah, I'm glad to say that. So So we think Sky is going to turn heel or like is going to go full evil. It's just waiting for her body to fully accept the toxins or is it going to taste, what's going to take like another mist the face to really like finish her off the first one it's just waiting to sleep in how long does it yeah, take i think it's like i think it's had its effect i think it's just taking well remember with julia it took, it took a couple months how long has it been um not Quick, too, too long, what, right? what date were they missed it like what like a month ago it hasn't been that long there's no mention on her Wikipedia. I'm not sure when she got mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like a, um, a little bit before. It's like it was like in October. Oh, so okay. Long-term storytelling. We find out that Abaddon was misted like 10 years ago, and that's why they look like that. <laughs> Maybe Abaddon is next women's champion uh, challenger. Abaddon versus Timeless Tony Storm. Gotta wait till next October when they get another match. Uh, come on, people. So part of the part of this match in particular that was so funny to me was I remember people saying part of the reason Chris Statlander moved away from all the alien stuff and the booping and all of that was because people backstage, certain people backstage in AEW felt like it had a ceiling to it. Being a galaxy's greatest alien was holding her back. It was too cartoony. She needed to get more serious. Mm -hmm. And so she drops all that alien stuff. 
And now she's on a show against a witch, a girl who's been misted and is turning evil, against a black and white movie star. And I'm like, was, was she just too early? Or did they just like not like the alien stuff? Like, aliens, bad. Witches and, like, black and white movie stars, good. Yeah, because also remember the, the, like, group of people that she was in line with, too. Like, she was in that that grouping with best friends and Orange Cassidy, and so, like, hers was the hardest gimmick to get over? I mean, come on, guys. Yeah, because I, I want to see an alien interact with all these weirdos now. <laughs> I want to see this roster go full glow. I mean, it'd be cool if Chris's next step was to, like, re-embrace her alien qualities to, like, recapture the TBS women's title. Like, to really, to be the champion that she needs to be. She needs to, like, come back to her extraterrestrial roots to defeat, like, the witch. Her old take partner from her old planet arrives in AEW and says, Chris, look at you. Who have you become? You've become too earthenized. You need to re-embrace your roots. Oh my god, that sounds so intriguing. I would love to see that. <laughs> yeah, like I would, I would love for them to to bring that back in some meaningful way. Because why not? It's like you're absolutely right, Harley. Like if you've got a bunch of odd characters now running this show, then someone who is you know purporting to be an alien of an alien race, that's that's no weirder than any of this. Well, my thinking. I assumed the way this match played out was they booked it specifically the way WWE does, which is we have this three-way, the champ doesn't get pinned to protect the champ, and this way now she can kind of move on, you know, get, give her the Charlotte Flair treatment where, like, she didn't get pinned, but now she's done and she's moving on to the other thing. Because they haven't, they never said it, but the TBS title has more or less felt like mid-card championship to the women's championship, right? You have younger, more, uh, less seasoned wrestlers like Julia Hart and Sky Blue competing for it. So Chris is gra- Chris can now graduate to the women's title picture, and Julia can go on to defend against Sky again, maybe against Willow, maybe against Red Velvet, or I don't know who else is who else is around. <laughs> and that, why, you, why not throw Mariah in there? You know, Mariah wants to be like her idol Tony. She should go out and get a title of her own to be just like her idol. Yeah, I mean, what I'm guessing is Mariah will become like the second to Tony at the proper second, and she will take on defenses for Tony prior to anyone getting a chance with Tony. Kind of that typical, like, you got to beat my second before you can come for me. But I, I have a hard time following through with that line of thinking because I have a hard time thinking that they're going to introduce Mariah May, give her a prime position in this story, and then immediately have her start losing matches. That doesn't seem to make any sense. I thought having Tony win the title, I don't know, I'm, wait, I'm, I'm waiting to see where they go with this, but I thought it was a mistake to give Tony the title because I felt like her character would be better off not being champ, right? That would have her be a little bit more unhinged, a little bit more like desperate. Actually, like, I, I felt that way, too. Like, I didn't want Tony to be champ. I would have rather they kept the title with Sheeta just because, like, I I would just would have rather ha- her have that time to kind of still keep developing. Because it's still pretty early days with, you know, this character. And I feel like fans, or I've just noticed fans have this thing that once someone gets a title, it's like speeds up them getting 
tired of them quicker. Yeah. And this is a really fun gimmick and I would hate for it to be sullied by just, you know, this weird mentality that, that a lot of wrestling fans have that, oh, they've had the title too long. I'm getting sick of it. Uh, you know, move on. And then they start turning on her. And I just, it, I'm just worried. I'm really worried. Yeah, I, I hear you, Shay. And I'm a little concerned about that myself. Um, I don't, I don't see this becoming a problem for Tony necessarily at this moment, but it's just going to be a matter of booking, right? It's, they have to, they have to book the next feud carefully. They have to give her a credible threat. They have to give her somebody who's also interesting in their own right. And they have the options there. They just have to make some commitments to it. But if they rush to, like, having Mariah May be that option in December, they're really squandering a long-term story that they could, like, have a much bigger payoff come spring. Well, RJ City has his fingers in this storyline, and <laughs> I'm s- no offense, but I trust RJ to tell a better story than I do Tony Khan. I trust RJ to construct these vignettes and to make to help Tony make this as compelling as it has been. I don't know that he has any say or control over what happens in a with like upcoming feuds, et cetera, but I sure hope he has some say because the work he's done on this has been absolutely fantastic. I'm waiting for the Wizard of Oz pay-per-view where Tony makes her entrance and it turns into color. As she's like walking down the ramp and all of a sudden she's in a world of color from then on. I mean, just, just around, I mean, just based on aesthetics and presentation alone, you can get, still get so much out of this gimmick. There's so much, so much gold here to mine. And Tony's playing it so well. Like it's fantastic. The, the, the pitch of all of this is just right on the money. Um, and I really want to see them do something compelling with their other title, with their with the TBS title, I'm hoping that this this time spent on Julia's waist, wherever it goes, can lead to a more interesting match come December. I just, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is a decent time for the women's division in AEW, all things considered. Uh, it's neat to see talent highlighted this year that say we wouldn't have necessarily seen in the spotlight last year or in several previous years. For Taker not being in major conversation in AEW for the first time in in how long? Um, All of this is interesting. All of this means that there's more people to share the spotlight, but but the spotlight itself has not grown. So we still have three shows, but we have we we now have three shows, but we still have one women's match per show at most. And if you don't, if we haven't grown from beyond that, then we're still limiting. There's still a very specific ceiling the women's division has. Rough estimates have Jamie Hayter returning possibly in February. So we're inching closer to that as well. That's going to be a big pendulum in the women's division for sure. I wonder how they're going to spin that, honestly. Like, where do they go? Like, what what do you think? Like, I, I'm really like, I, I can't even think. What What is her first opponent going to be? Like, what is her first, like action going to be when she returns i'm excited because I, I really do like her her in-wing work it's really really good so mm-hmm. i just i don't know where is she gonna like who's gonna be her target when she comes back it's gotta be whoever's the women's champ because she also didn't lose the title and she was being positioned as being she was actually being treated as like the top woman in the division 
before she left. You know, she was getting a lot of screen time. She was getting a lot of mic time. She would have been in a huge match at Wembley if uh, she hadn't been injured. So I got to think whoever's holding the title in February, she instantly shows up and confronts them. And right now, you would think that's got to be Tony. But then that kind of backs them into a corner now because it's like she's returning. Do you want to have her lose? But then Tony just got the title. Do you want to have her lose? And she has this, you know, really, really cool, uh, you know, gimmick going on that's like catching a lot of steam. So do you kind of like have her lose? Um, it's, it's, it's a really like, like, how are they going to play that? That's my thought process. Because they yeah. already had it with Sheeta. Sheeta had the, like, they use Sheeta as, like, the transitional champ whenever they need someone to just come in, hold the title for a few minutes. <laughs> Twice in the yeah. last six months. It's, I, I really hate it. And I feel like the last few, like, reigns have been really lackluster in, like, the time. Like, like, it's been really low time. Like, since it got off of Jamie, I feel like it's been kind of, like, flippy floppy. Um, and obviously with Tony, I'd like for her to keep it for a while to, like, make the title not look like it's just be flying off to every shoulder um it just makes the title look it, it gives it less credibility when it's just like jumping from shoulder to shoulder like it has to have direction stay on someone you know have a pretty decent reign i feel or when saray is holding it a lot, a lot less credibility how long does saray actually have the title not long right no uh, it was not no, long a couple at of all weeks, yeah she had yeah i mean what a weird, like, kind of back and forth for that women's title. That women's title has been a little chaotic. It might be nice to have Tony hold on to it for a little while just so we can kind of establish a, a new, like, reigning champion for a bit. Like, give her a run. Give her a run with it. This gimmick has legs. They can really get the most out of it. Let her let her have it for, for several months. Don't take it off her for, don't take it off her before the summer. Like, let her have it for a long time. Yeah, we've had five champions since May. So in six months, five champions. Tony had ah. it for two months. She had it for a month. Sway had it for a month and a half. She had it for a little over a month. And now Tony's a champ again. Yeah, let's let's stick with this for a bit. Let's give some consistency to this title. It doesn't hurt. It will not hurt the title if we have Tony in that spot for a couple of months. Quite the contrary. Honestly, we need to stop. Like, this, this title needs to settle for a bit. We need to like develop some storylines around the title. We need to develop some storylines outside the title race because there hasn't been much compelling beyond like outside of this title situation for both for both women's titles. Well, the all the gold in AEW is officially held by a black and white movie star from the fifties and a spooky witch. So that's where we stand going into the end of twenty twenty three, and that's kind of interesting for AEW. That has not been the case historically i mean inside you there are two wolves a like 20s black and white movie star and a witch did you say 50s harley just because all about eve came out in the 50s but i know we're set yeah like in the 30s like the golden age of hollywood (laughs) 50s movie star that's a whole new gimmick that's what uh that's what Nala Rose is workshopping right now she's gonna come out dressed like June Cleaver I, I'm here for it and I'm ready for that has 
as always, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Patreon at Grit Glitter Pod. If you support us on Patreon, $1 a month gets you a weekly newsletter written by your friends in the Glitterati. $5 a month gets you the Grit and Glitter archive, old episodes of the show from our early seasons. We just posted an interview with Nicole Matthews this past week. Also bonus podcasts, a bunch of other stuff. And then we take your money and we use it to support independent wrestling. Like Enjoy Wrestling, their new show, episode one of Killing in the Name premieres tonight on Remix. That's right. That's right. If you didn't get to be there in person, as I did, please make sure that you tune in. Remix is free to watch. So go support our friends over Enjoy Wrestling. Killing in the Name was a, like a great, great show. And this first episode has a fantastic trios match with some people that we uh, really, really love over here. So don't miss it. Shay, what else do you do? Where can people find and support you online? Well, I have my podcast uh, with my partner, Bad Die Jack, the Big Pop Theory podcast. We have a new episode every Monday on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. I think it's Google. But yes, it's there. Um, you can catch me on Tuesday for uh, Bodyslam.net for the NXT After Show starting this week. So that's exciting. And Shay Sawyer underscore on most platforms. That's what I <laughs> All right. That's our show. Thank you for listening. As always, come back next week. Next week, M and Glitterati member Lindsay will be here slamming in the back of their Dracula.